I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 17 is where we will spend time together this morning in God's Word. I want you to know if you're new to North River Church, our habit week in and week out is to open God's Word together typically walking through books of the Bible verse by verse and trusting that the Lord will fulfill his promise that his word will not return void when it's proclaimed. And so this morning we will continue on in the series that we began at the beginning of this year walking through the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. And as we prepare to dive into Genesis 17 this morning, do you ever find yourself always feeling like you are in a hurry, always in a rush, trying to get to the next place. How about when you are in your car driving? Most of us don't stay in the right lane. We need to be in the left lane, right? Time to pass people. I've seen you drive. I know. You're in a hurry. We're trying to get to the next place. I've seen people in a hurry to the point that you go to the grocery store, you get a shopping cart, and you don't have the time to take your shopping cart and put it back into the shopping cart location in the parking lot. Amen or ouch, it's okay. You just set it next to the car that's beside you so that when they back up, they hit it, right? Just don't have time, can't do it. We're in such a hurry. You know, what's interesting is that most everything that's good in life takes time. It takes intentionality. If you want a good marriage, it takes time. It takes investment. If you want to make a lot of money, the lottery is not the place to go. You can invest monthly over a 40-year period of time and have a lot of money one day. It takes intentionality. If you want to raise godly kids, it doesn't happen by accident. It takes intentionally investing in their lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ who brings transformation. And yet, if we're not careful we will think that we can grow and be fruitful in our lives as believers without that intentional daily investment. We'll think that if we can just have whatever the magic bullet is, spiritually speaking, whatever that experience is, whatever that trip looks like, whatever that conference, if we, if we could just get that, then we would be where we need to be spiritually. And yet, what we see throughout the pages of Scripture is that spiritual growth in the life of a believer takes time and intentionality over decades of our lives constantly taking the next step of obedience with the Lord. You know, it's interesting when you have an opportunity to talk with teenagers and to hear the great things that they want to do, the things that they want to happen in the world. They want to change the world. And sometimes as a parent of a teenager, you just want them to make up their bed. Why not take that step? 
Why not do that small thing? Because here's the deal. In the Christian life, spiritual growth and fruitfulness in our lives as believers is a daily walk of obedience with the Lord. Taking that next step and then taking that next step. Now here's the problem. That doesn't sell a lot of books. That's not flashy. And yet, that is exactly what God's Word tells us it takes. I want us to see that play out in Abram's life. We've been walking through this journey in the book of Genesis. We encountered Abram several chapters ago as we were navigating through this book. We've seen Abram walk in obedience to the Lord. We've seen him royally mess things up. We've seen him highs. We've seen him at lows. We have seen him in great moments. We've seen him in terrible moments. And let's just all be honest. If you followed Jesus for any length of time, you've experienced that in your own life as well. And this morning, what we're going to take note of is Abram hearing from the Lord, responding to the Lord in obedience. I have no doubt this morning that if you're a follower of Jesus, God has a step of obedience today that he wants you to take. Not a grand plan for your life, a small step of obedience. I want to read the text for us this morning and we'll walk back through it verse by verse together. This is what God's word says, Genesis chapter 17 beginning in verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face. And God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring." Both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So my covenant shall be in your flesh, an everlasting covenant. 
Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, I shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes, that we would be able to see, that you would open our ears, that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. And we ask that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. If you're taking notes this morning, I want you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together in the text. And it's this truth, the path to fruitfulness in our lives as believers is faithfully walking in obedience before our all-powerful God. If we want to experience fruitfulness in our lives as believers... If we want to experience growth in our lives as believers, if we want to experience God's hand of blessing on our life as believers, growing in our relationship with him, it will be through faithfully walking in obedience to our powerful God. It won't happen by accident. It won't happen by chance. It will happen as we daily walk in obedience with the Lord. Now I want you to notice as we get ready to walk through the text this morning and I want you to focus in on verse one, the first part. Take notice of what God's word says when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. I want you to write down this first truth. We worship and serve a God who is all-powerful. We worship and serve a God who is all-powerful. The scriptures are replete with examples of the ultimate power of God. We serve a God who is all-powerful. Now it's interesting because if you take note in verse 1, the first part, there's some key information that's there. We get a check on how old Abram is in this moment. As the Lord is coming to speak to them, we hear Abram was 99 years old. Some of you are thinking, man, that's old. Some of you are thinking, I don't think that's very old at all. But take notice of the reality of the text. Take notice of the fact that at 99 years of age, Abram is still waiting for God to fulfill his promise to bring him a son. At 99. And then step back for a second and realize that God first made his promise to Abram that he would make Abram into a great nation at the age of 75. So for 24 years, Abram has been waiting. The Lord had clearly spoken. The Lord had clearly made a promise to Abram 
The Lord had said he would provide him an heir, that he would provide him a son, that he would provide him someone who would spread nations throughout the earth. Ultimately, we know that it would be the lineage of Jesus Christ, our Savior, that would come from Abram. But hear me this morning, it's not yet happened. And then the Lord comes to Abram at 99 after 24 years of Abram waiting for God to fulfill his promise. And notice what the Lord says about himself, the name that he gives Abram that Abram should think when he thinks of God. He says, I am God Almighty. El Shaddai, you may have heard that before used. That is the word that's used here to describe God. God who is all-powerful. God who has no limits. God who can accomplish whatever he desires. Think about that for just a second. After God had promised Abram 24 years before, this is what I'm going to do. 24 years later, God comes to Abram and says, Hey, Abram, I'm God who is all-powerful. What audacity for God to come and say that. I can think in this moment that maybe Abram is going, I just don't see it. Like, God, I hear you say that, but I don't see it through your actions. Don't forget that at this point in time, Abram has tried to fulfill God's promise through the flesh. We covered that last week in chapter 16 that Abram and his wife Sarai had tried to grab Hagar, the Egyptian slave, and to have her be the one who would bear this promised child. But that's not God's plan. It wasn't what God desired. God was able to work through it, but it still wasn't his promise fulfilled to Abram. And in this moment, after 24 years, God says, I am the Lord, the God who is all-powerful. I want you to know that this is right in line with what we've seen throughout the book of Genesis so far. We have seen the incredible power of God on display. From the very first pages of Genesis where God spoke all of creation into existence. God who is all powerful simply by his word spoke and the stars leapt into the sky. The planets arranged themselves the way that they were supposed to. The galaxies did what they were supposed to do. That is the God that we serve. A God who is all powerful. A God who is able to take what we saw last week as an incredible mess and turn it into a message of his grace and his mercy. A God who moving from this point forward throughout the pages of scripture, we will see over and over and over again is a God who is all powerful. Demonstrating ultimately his great power in sending his son Jesus to this earth. A God who is with all power coming and dwelling among us, taking on flesh. A God who goes to the cross on our behalf, taking our sin upon himself and paying for our sin there. A God who is able 
to rise from the dead. We serve a God who is all-powerful. Now, you may have come in this morning, and for you, you have never taken the step of placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for salvation. You've never taken that step of admitting that you're a sinner in need of a Savior and believing that Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, God in the flesh, came to set you free from your sin through His sacrificial death on the cross where He made a payment for your sin and then rose from the dead on the third day. I want you to hear me this morning. You have an opportunity placed before you right now to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the one who is all-powerful, the only one who can save you from your sin. Maybe for you, that's the step that you need to take. You may already be a believer this morning, having already taken that step, and yet you are in somewhat of limbo like Abram was in this moment. You're wondering, is God going to come through? Is God going to do what he promised? Is God going to accomplish what he promised? Pastor, I've been praying for years about a situation, a circumstance. I've been hoping for years that this situation would change. I've been longing for God to work and to move. I've been longing for God to do it in my heart first. And you have all but given up hope. Can I give you something to cling to this morning. You worship and serve a God who is all-powerful. Never lose heart that God who is all-powerful is constantly at work, even when you and I can't see it, to bring about his beautiful plan and purpose in this world, that he is at work. We worship and we serve a God who is all powerful. I find it interesting that God reveals that name to Abram. It's important because it's going to come into play as we continue to walk our way through the text next week as we begin to unpack God fulfilling this promise. It's a a opportunity in this moment for Abram to be able to rest in the truth that he serves a God who is all-powerful, that he can actually put a name to it. You know, it's interesting. I've told you this before that I have a problem when it comes to trying to find something that my wife says is somewhere. Now, here's the thing. You just need to know it's always there where she said it was. Whether it's in her purse or it's in a cabinet or it's in a drawer, she says, that's where it is. I don't see it. And she has coined a phrase. I've shared this with you before. She said, did you look? Or... Did you, Michael, look? (laughs) Michael look just means you open it and don't see it, right? Look actually means maybe you move something. Well, there it is, right? 
But in this moment, God reveals to Abram his name. He says, here's what you can call me. Here's how you can label this situation you find yourself in. As it relates to me, I am a God who is all-powerful. I want you to notice the second truth we see in the second part of verse 1 going through verse 3. Not only do we worship and serve a God who is all-powerful, but we are called to worship and serve God with integrity. Notice what happens here. The Lord following up, saying, I am God Almighty, then says to Abram, walk before me and be blameless. Abram, walk before me and be perfect. Abram, walk before me in integrity, in wholehearted devotion to me, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. The Lord in this moment says to Abram, after disclosing to him, him, I am God Almighty, then says to Abram, now walk in wholehearted devotion to me. Walk in obedience to me. Let your life be characterized by walking in obedience in relationship with me. Notice Abram's response in verse 3. Then Abram fell on his face. The Lord discloses to Abram, I am the God who can accomplish anything. I am the God who is all-powerful. Now, Abram, walk before me in wholehearted devotion, wholehearted worship, walk in obedience to me. And in that moment, Abram's response is to fall on his face in worship before God. You see, the reality is for every single one of us as followers of Jesus here this morning, that should be our response when we take note of the God that we serve. You see, here's the problem. Too many times we have a very, very small view of who God is and a really big view of who we are and what our abilities are. And they need to swap. We need a big picture view of who God is. We need to grasp the reality that he is a God who is all powerful. And as a result of that, we need to fall on our faces and worship to him. Offering our lives as a living sacrifice of worship to him. Now here's what's interesting When you look at this, what you can't do is say, okay, what God's saying to Abram in this moment is, Abram, you can earn your salvation by being perfect. Because if you remember when we covered in chapter 15, 
That it was at that moment that Abram believed God and his promise and it was accounted to him as righteousness. The book of Hebrews reminds us that it is not our effort that saves us. It is totally a work of God in our lives that transforms us, bringing us from being dead to our sin to being alive in Christ. Abram was looking forward to the Messiah who would come. We have the privilege of looking back and knowing that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, did come. And our hope for salvation, our hope to be pleasing in the eyes of God is not on the basis of us being perfect, of us being righteous in our own effort, because we can't. It is totally on the basis of Jesus Christ's righteousness that covers us. Same thing was true here for Abram in this moment. He was looking forward to the Messiah and the Lord credited to his account righteousness as a result of Abram's faith. And so when the Lord says to Abram, now walk before me and be blameless, he's not saying, Abram, you don't have my favor. Here's what you need to do to earn my favor. No, what he's saying is, having received my favor, having been forgiven, now walk in obedience to me and experience the fruitfulness of what it looks like to grow in your walk with Jesus. Walk in obedience. Experience fruitfulness. You know, the reality is for us, God does not save us from our sin and then say, good luck. That he saves us from our sin and gifts to us the Holy Spirit of God who dwells within us, who is working daily, constantly in our lives to mold and to shape us to the image of Jesus Christ. He is at work in our lives to mold us and to shape us to be who God has called us to be. So how then do we respond to that? Well, we walk in obedience with the Lord. We take that next step of obedience. I want you to notice that on the back end of this, after Abram responds, I want you to notice beginning in verse 4, God said to him, behold, my covenant is with you. And you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer will your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. Abram receives a name change. The name Abram means exalted father. The name Abraham means father of a multitude of nations. Now think about that. Abram in this moment was a father. Not according to what God's hope and desire for him, trusting in the promises of God. He tried to do it his own way. He became a father of a son through Hagar, but the Lord says, no, no, no. Abram You're not exalted father. You are Abraham. You are the father of nations, the father of multitudes. Notice he says in verse six, I will make you exceedingly fruitful 
And I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. If you take note, God says, I will do it. Abram, walk in obedience and watch as I accomplish every single thing I've promised. And then we come to verse 9. And if we're not careful, we'll go, things just got weird. You didn't come to church today planning on the circumcision sermon, did you? But I want you to notice what's going on in the text this morning. It is, it's really a beautiful picture of Abraham being willing to walk in faithful obedience before the Lord. And God, as a result of Abram's obedience, Abraham's faithfulness, of blessing and using him in an incredible way. He says in verse 9, God said to Abram, as for you, you will keep my covenant. You and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep. Every male among you shall be circumcised. He goes in and explains further that it is a sign of the covenant between me and you. This act of circumcision was between Abraham and the Lord and his people here. It was a signifying marker that they were set apart to be God's people. You know, it's interesting that as you move forward in the scriptures, as you look into the New Testament, that as the gospel of Jesus Christ was proclaimed in the book of Acts, that as those who were formerly locked into the Jewish system, who had recognized and understood that Jesus Christ was the Messiah that they were longing for and waiting for, and as they placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that they began to share the gospel, not only in Jerusalem, but it began to spread throughout the world, so that then there were Gentiles, those who were not Jewish by birth, who were coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And those Jewish believers started thinking, well, maybe they need to be circumcised as well. That's the action that has to be taken to be the people of God. And so they had a, a church council a discussion to figure out, okay, what is this act of circumcision and how does it relate to us being under the new covenant on the basis of Jesus Christ's blood that was shed for our sins? And they recognized in that moment that circumcision simply pointed forward, Paul would say, to the true act of circumcision, that is circumcision of the heart. What does it take to be a follower of Jesus? He says it's not this physical act of circumcision that was practiced here as God had given direction to Abraham. But he says, no, it is the work of the Lord in our heart. Where God is surgically taking out a dead heart that has no desire to beat in worship to him. 
and replacing it with a heart of flesh that can follow the things of God. So the issue at this point in time is not this act of circumcision. It is the question of whether you have experienced a heart transplant where you have had the dead heart of stone of sin taken out and replaced with a heart of flesh that beats for the things of God. And what we see in the New Testament is that the signifying marker of the people of God moving forward is that once they had trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior to be part of the covenant people, that they took the step of obedience in being baptized. That being baptized signified what Jesus Christ had done in these believers' lives. That their sin had been washed away, that they had been brought up into new life in Jesus Christ. And that is, in the life of the believer, the first step of obedience that God calls us to take. So if you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, you've never been baptized post-salvation after you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I would love nothing more than to help you take that step of obedience. But following that first step of obedience, the scripture lays out for us, is a lifetime of walking in faithful obedience to the Lord. Meaning that once we take that step, we're not done. Once we take that step, the Lord says to us, there's another step. There's another step. And it's a daily step, a daily walk of obedience to the Lord. You've come in this morning, and I'm absolutely confident that for every single one of us, there's a step of obedience that God desires for us to take today. If you're a follower of Jesus here this morning, there is a step of obedience that the Lord wants you to take. It may be the step of walking in obedience to the Lord and offering forgiveness to someone who's wronged you. And the Lord's pressed in, and that is the step. That is what is hindering your fruitfulness in your life as a believer, your growth spiritually in your life is being unwilling to take that step of obedience. Maybe the Lord's laid on your heart that there's someone in your life that you need to share the hope you found in Jesus Christ with, and that is the step of obedience God has called you to take. Will you be willing to take that step? Maybe for you, the step of obedience as a family is to make North River Church your home. See, here's one of the things that I'm absolutely confident in is that God desires for his people to be plugged in to a local body of believers and to be a member there. I know all the arguments. I hear all the arguments. You can be a Christian and not go to church. You can, but I can promise you, you will not grow. You will not thrive. You will not be as fruitful as God desires you to be. You can also be married and not kiss your spouse. It doesn't work very good for very long. Same thing's true for us in our walk with the Lord. God desires for you to plug into a local body of believers. It may not be at North River Church, and that's okay. But if it is here, one question, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? 
Every single one of us has a step of obedience that God desires for us to take. The question is, like Abraham, will we be willing to take that step? Because when we do take that step, what we experience is what Abraham experienced here. That is the work of God in his life. The third truth as we close this morning, we have the privilege of worshiping and serving a God who chooses to use us for his glory. God wants to use you to accomplish his plan and his purpose in this world all for his glory. But it will take taking the next step of obedience. What is that step for you this morning? Would you bow your heads? As our worship team makes their way back up, you have an opportunity this morning to respond to the Lord, to his word. Maybe you did come in today and you've never taken the step of trusting Jesus Christ as your savior. And that's the step that you need to take today. We'd love to help you take that step. Whether in just a minute you respond or leaving service today, let us know. We would love to help you take that step. But if you're a follower of Jesus this morning, what is that step of obedience? What is that hindrance in your life right now that's preventing the type of fruitfulness and growth that God desires to bring about? That's being prevented from not taking that step. Would you make that commitment today to take that step? Father, we ask you this morning that you would work in our hearts and our lives through your word and through your spirit. That those who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ would take that step today to receive forgiveness for their sins, to be brought into the family of God. God, would you help the believers who are here to take that next step of obedience that you've called them to take. And God, that we would see a measure of growth spiritually, a measure of fruitfulness in our lives that can only come about when we are wholly devoted to you at work in us and through us. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand as we sing? Our altar's open. You come as the Lord leads.